0: And if you're not doing what David is doing, if you're not setting money aside for that expense, what are you going to do? Are you going to put it on a credit card? Are you going to lease it and just spread it over the next three years?
1: Welcome to this episode of Getting Money Right with your two hosts, David Thompson and Leo Sabo. And in this episode, we're going to be concluding our discussion about the different categories in the household budget and the specific things that you can do to improve your spending in these categories and overall just make your budget more successful. So in the past couple episodes, we've covered six different categories so far. And today we're going to cover the last four, and they're a little bit smaller, but it should all be able to fit into this episode. And we're going to be looking at your personal expenses, your child expenses, learning to save and what that looks like in your budget, and then giving, just generosity, opening up and saying, how can I serve others and change the world around me? So Leo, let's kick it off with this first main category, the personal category. What does that look like for you?
0: So personal has several subcategories. Number one is healthcare and health insurance. So this is anything from life insurance, your health insurance premiums that you're paying either through your employer or out-of-pocket expenses. Then there's also, of course, disability insurance in short-term and long-term is something that we absolutely need to have. And then there's cell phone, hair care or grooming expenses and clothing. Those are the categories that fit into the personal budget.
1: Yeah, I love that. And so, um, you know, your health insurance, I've played with the percentages in this category, uh, along with housing. And yeah, I updated them about a year ago, to make sure everything fit when you download that budgeting tool from the website. And one of the things that I did is I noticed that most of the people I counsel with have their health insurance paid for by their uh, employer. And you know, most of the people I've sitting down with now, if that doesn't apply to you, you may notice that the spending guideline is actually a little bit low for you because you may have to have another three $400 a month taken out for health insurance, potentially even more depending on where you live, how big your family is and maybe pre existing conditions. Uh, but your health insurance fits here. Uh, that health savings account, uh, understand that if you can be setting something aside there, it's triple tax advantaged. And so you need to be putting something in if you have a super high deductible plan. Um, All right, so for Ashley and I, when we talk about the out of pocket health expenses that fit into this category, Ashley and I have actually set up a little envelope that we put cash into every month, and we just call it our medical savings envelope. And it fits into this category, but we do it through envelopes. And every month, we just add a little bit more cash so that when she needs to go to the doctor, when I need to go to the dentist, when I need to go for my annual physical, wherever we got to go, whatever we need to do, we have cash ready to use, and immediately we can pay and not feel that in any other area of our budget. So we use envelopes for several of our categories. Leo, what does that look like for you?
0: Yeah, we use a software. Uh, We use YNAB, Y-N-A-B. It stands for You Need a Budget as a budget tool. So we don't, use a lot of cash. Last episode we talked about having spending money and we do have that in cash. But most of most of our expenses fit into this budget. It's worked for us really well. So you guys are listening to two different methods. One is an envelope a method where you separate the money. And I love that because I think it just it's so clear and it's so impossible to overspend.
1: <laughs> right. I mean, and that's nope.
0: really what you want, especially if you're if you're starting out and Really, it's really difficult. And and you're thinking, okay, do I really want to use an Excel spreadsheet for every category and track it and all this stuff? For some of these, it may just make more sense for you guys to use an envelope. So I love what you're doing, David. It's working for you. Uh, Natalie and I have used a software for many years. It works for us. And that's what we're trying to say. Whatever you decide to use, just make sure you understand it and that you're willing to stick with it.
1: Absolutely. You know, I think that uh, yeah, you complimented, complimented my system, Leo, I'll compliment yours. I love how simple it is with yours to have all of the money in the bank account, but then it's on an Excel sheet or in YNAB in your case that you already know, okay, some of it's allocated for this, some of it's allocated for this, and you no longer spend according to what's in your bank account. You spend according to what's in the budget and in those categories. And that is so helpful. It's super simple. And I think that works out really well. So another area that Ashley and I use in this uh, specific category system is we look at the cell phone, and our cell phones. Of course, we have a monthly out-of-pocket cost. Uh, currently, we're using I would call there's there's in my mind there's two tiers of cell phone providers. Actually, maybe even three, but there's your well-known super brand names, and then there's second tier providers that actually typically run off of the normal cell phone carrier. The same, the same lines, the same network, network, Mm -hmm. uh, yet they are typically month to month without any additional expense. There's no hidden taxes, hidden fees. You can cancel any time. And that's what Ashley and I've been using for the past several years. It's been really helpful. So we have money allocated to our cell phone expense every month. And then we have a little bit of cash that we put into a cell phone envelope and, and it just grows every month and so that at the end of two years we can replace our cell phones because of the amazing engineering in the cell phone world i believe that the engineers put what is called planned obsolescence in i believe they plan for your current cell phone to be obsolete in about two years and uh, and i used to hold on to one cell phone for a crazy absurd amount of time and i was very proud of it uh, but at some point i realized You know what? The newer cell phones are really nice and they do have a lot of cool functions. And so I don't personally buy the top of the line when it comes out. I usually buy two generations old. But uh, within two years, uh, those two generation old phones are now four or five years old. And so, uh, you know, we're buying them cheaper up front, but we have the cash for it. My whole point here is that we're putting cash into an envelope specifically for our cell phones so that when Ashley needs to replace her phone, we go do it. When I need to replace my phone, we go do it.
0: That's that's great, David. I think most people don't do that, right? I mean, they, <laughs> right. they they have their bill, and they make sure they can fit that and pay that on time. But when it comes to either upgrading a phone or switching carriers, there's a huge upfront cost. A family of four then switches from one carrier to another, especially if they use a premium carrier. And each phone is 100 to $200. Because even if you're leasing a phone, which please don't do that that's another topic altogether. We're not going to go there today. But even if you have a monthly payment for the phone, there's still an upfront cost. Nowadays, it's very rare that you just get the phone and get to use it. Now, I'm talking about premium phones here. Obviously, there are some phones that you still get for free. Yep. But if you want a smartphone, if it's the iPhone and the Samsung and those phones, there will be a significant upfront cost. And if you're not doing what David is doing, if you're not setting money aside for that expense, what are you going to do? Are you going to put it on a credit card? Are you going to lease it and just spread it over the next three years? So uh, not only the payment for the phone is important to having your budget, but also a replacement cost. Because like you said, every couple of years, you're going to have to replace it or you're going to have to upgrade it.
1: Yep. And uh, another thing inside of this category that is unique and that you need to have discussions with, if you're married, you need to have discussions up front if you're single, this is actually pretty easy, but it's hair care. Hair care is extremely important, especially to uh, certain individuals in a relationship. It could be one way or the other, but there's usually one person that really cares, and the other person usually really enjoys having the other person care. I hope that made sense, <laughs> but you know, you you're appreciate your significant other's hair, and so you want to make sure it's taken care of well. Hair care is interesting. Uh, you know, prices can can be so expensive for almost the same thing. So it's extremely important to agree in advance. How much are we going to spend in this area? And, you know, you're going to pay for the actual haircut. Um, but then are you going to tip? And in, in our household, that's a definite yes. And so how much are you going to tip? Let's plan 20%. And so if you're going to get a $100 haircut, it's actually $120. If you're gonna get a twenty dollar haircut, it's twenty four dollars. So be ready. And personally, it's for me. It's gonna be twenty five dollars because I'm not gonna leave them dangling with just four ones. Here's a five dollar bill, right? So, so you know, let's be generous and and let's serve the people that are serving us. So you know, hair care is one of those things that you've got to talk about in advance.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And and I know for my wife and I, uh, hair care for me is a very low cost. My wife actually cuts my hair and. Uh, she's done so for many, many years. She used to be a hairdresser, so it's not. You know, Leo, so you she, look great. She Your did hair it. looks thank awesome. Thank you, thank you very much. She, she, she. Again, she's done this for a long time, and it's. I actually did the math of how much money it saved us, and it's shocking. But anyway, that's another topic. My, my point is this: my wife loves to have her, her, her nails done, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and this is something that we couldn't afford early on in our marriage. Mm-hmm. But now, I refuse. Listen, I refuse to re- reduce that category because I know how it makes her feel. And it's important. It's important to her, and I'd rather sacrifice something else to make that available for her. It's something that recently we had to talk about and look at our budget, reduce some areas, and kind of reorganize some of the things that we're doing. And that's one of the areas where my wife said, you know, I can cut back on some of this. And I said, no, I I know how this makes you feel, and I want you to continue to do it. We can sacrifice somewhere else. So Like you said, some people care about it more than others, and it's not just haircuts. It's also any kind of beauty treatments. Women get haircuts, manicures, and pedicures. Guys probably don't. Some guys do. Some guys do. But hey, and if that's what you like to do, then there's nothing wrong with it. You just need to have- Put in the budget. (laughs) Exactly. Put a budget (laughs) in place for it. The last category in the personal is clothing. And this is an area that some people spend a ton of money in. They really, really like clothes. And other people are very low-key. They're the jeans and t-shirt kind of person, and they don't spend very much, and they don't really see the value of spending much on clothing. But if you're married and your spouse, let's say your wife, really likes clothes, you need to budget for it, and you need to figure
1: out what is a reasonable amount based on your income and what you can afford. Yeah, absolutely. And and you know, two things about clothes. One, please realize that your value doesn't come from what you wear uh, or the brand you have on. And, I, and I know true. you know this, but I just want to remind you. You're valued. You are unique. There's no one else like you on this planet. There's no one who can take your place. You're important. And so realize that your clothes, your hair, um, paying the premium price, it's not a necessity. You you just need the basics. Now, I will also add to the flip side of that, uh, how you present yourself in the world is important, and it will influence how people see you. Uh, First impressions are important. Consistently being Um, I guess I would just say faithful to look good and present yourself well in front of others, that gets recognized over time as well. So so you do not want to make this category zero, but I also encourage you that this category does not have to be exorbitant either. Uh, If you are a clothes aficionado, that's awesome, and lower another category so you can add to clothing. Go for it. But just for the average person, it's okay. Don't let it be zero, uh, but don't find your identity in it but we all find our identity in different things. So I understand that, that tug and pull. Yeah. Another
0: aspect of some of these subcategories and personal is that you don't always spend every month on these. So when you look at whether it's haircuts or clothing, you may not need to do this every single month, right? My wife doesn't get her haircut done every single month. It's about every other month. So that's why it's important to consider what is the overall cost for the year and what do I need to set aside every month in that category? So that when I do have to have the expense, whether it's clothing every quarter or whatever, because I don't go clothes shopping every every month. Uh, It's literally about every quarter I'll go. I don't really like it, don't enjoy the experience, so I try to do it as less as possible. But ultimately, just understand that just because you didn't spend it this month doesn't mean you can move it and spend it somewhere else. Right. Yeah. Let it roll over and let it add up. Let it save up to that number that you need for the whole year, so that when you do go, whether it's a every quarter, every other month, that money's there for you.
1: Yep. The other month, I spent over two hundred dollars in clothes, which for me is a is a pretty big clothes shopping purchase. But Ashley didn't bat an eye at it. She didn't care one bit. She wasn't like, oh my goodness, you spent two hundred dollars. Because she knew I pulled it out of the envelope and we had saved for many months before that. So we had plenty in the clothes envelope and there were still some left over. So that if she had needed something, we would have been ready to go. That's why I love that you said this. That's why we use the envelope system in this area because that cash carries over month to month in envelopes. But it's also why if you're not going to use cash, you need to have a very good plan in place. And that's why YNAB is a great fit because it will allow you to carry those categories over month to month, and allows you to build. It, the tool that, that Leo gives you on his website is also extremely helpful. It does the exact same thing, uh, and it's free. And so I love the, the yearly budget tool there. Uh, for There's about 5% of people that ever listen to this that might be interested in this. This is for you. Uh, if you go to Google and you type in envelope system gateway stewardship, it will come up with a video of me going through how I build, uh, Ashley and I build our envelope system and our actual numbers, some of our actual numbers and me putting cash into envelopes. That's going to be for a small segment of people listening to this. I know not most people will do that, but I want to let you know, if you want to see it in action, you want to see how those envelopes are made and where the cash goes and what that looks like, uh, it would be envelope system Gateway, stewardship, plug it into Google. It'll be the first video that pops up on YouTube. All right.
0: Great. I think it's a perfect recommendation because I find when I'm working with clients that
1: there are areas that are
0: challenging, whether it's food, whether it's whatever whatever that category is. And many times it takes several months for them to realize how difficult it is for them to actually stick to the plan that they had set. So right at the beginning, I recommend whatever area you know you overspend in, start with envelopes. You could always migrate to an Excel spreadsheet, to a software, but start with envelopes because it's instant discipline. You cannot spend money that's not there. And if you were just agree, I'm gonna take the money, put it in an envelope. When it's gone, it's gone. It's so much easier to stick to. And we've talked about this in a previous episode. When you release the money, there's a different feeling than when you swipe the card. Yes. There's a loss that you experience when you're letting go of the cash that you do not experience when you swipe the credit card or put it in for the chip. So it's important to recognize that and just start there so you can build that, that discipline and that ability to stick to that budget. Later on, when you have mastered it and you're a budget pro you can move on to any other system that works for you.
1: Yeah, there's a professor at Carnegie Mellon. His name is George Loewenstein. And he says that credit cards effectively anesthetize anesthetize the pain of paying and this is somebody who researches this he says that it's like when you get anesthesia like you don't feel the pain in that area and thank goodness for uh, anesthetics when you're at the dentist's office and thank goodness for anesthetics when you're at the doctor but when you're spending you probably need to feel what you're spending Uh, it helps you to appreciate it and helps you understand how it's affecting your budget so let's look at the next main category let's step away from personal and Leah what's the next main category
0: so it's child expenses, and this is not for everyone. Obviously not everyone has children, but and maybe some people have children that are no longer living at home. Um, that's the case for my wife and I. We don't have child expenses anymore, but we did for many, many years. And we're not talking about everything that you spend on your children, because a lot of that will fit into your budget. What we're talking about is any expenses that are in addition to taking care of your children. So it could be daycare, right? For a family that let's say has a wife or a mom that stays at home, that expense is not there because she is providing the the childcare. But if we have a woman that wants to be a professional in the workplace and she has children, obviously she would have to have childcare while she's going to work. So that's an additional expense. It's not not something that's in a typical budget. So when you look at the recommended percentage on our guideline for that, it's zero because again, it doesn't apply to everyone. So if you do spend five, 10% of your income in this area, then you have to find it somewhere else. You have to spend less in another area. So let's give some examples, David, of some of the things that would fit into this category.
1: Yeah. And I just want to say that in general, it's zero. But if you're a married family of four or married family of six in the budget tool, there is a spending percentage allocated for this, but it's not a huge percentage because Mm -hmm. this is for those excess things. I mean, groceries yeah, you know, when you're buying food for your children, that goes in the grocery budget. When you're buying clothes for your kids, that goes in the clothing, which is personal. So you know, transportation. Your life. I will say this um, in some ways. Your life is not dramatically, uh, hugely more expensive with children in it. But there are some things that are additional, and so they're not going to eat you out of house and home when they're young. Maybe by the time they hit teenagers, <laughs> but you know, when they're babies you know, you just have to chop up a little bit more food, a little bit more of this, a little bit more of that. But let's look at some of this. So daycare is definitely one um, private school tuition if you are looking, if you're living in an area where the public school system is really struggling to educate children well. However, I have actually known parents that, <laughs> this is crazy, but it's so true and it was amazing. They would wake up two hours early, educate their children before they send them to school, put them in public school, and then at the end of public school, they would spend another hour with their child making sure they got a full education because at that time they couldn't afford Mm. private school. So there are some great private schools. I'm not against going to private school. But it's not your only option if your child is struggling in public school. There are ways to parent around that. There are homeschool programs, there are co op programs, uh, but tu- tuition could definitely be one of those. Mm-hmm. Something that I see all the time is uh, sports programs. You've got teenagers, and now they're in band. Uh, now they're in soccer, uh, you know, and not just regular soccer, but they're in elite club soccer, and they've got to be $60 an hour coach fees, mm-hmm. or you've got to buy the nicest brand shorts, because you couldn't possibly just have regular shorts on, (laughs) you know, it's a little, little poke there, but, but, you know, the team is wearing a certain color and a certain brand and everybody's got to wear that. And so you're going to have expensive fees there. And that could be in this child expense category.
0: Absolutely. And that's actually one that I was going to mention is that when you're looking at expenses that are beyond just normal child expenses, those kind of things come in. I mean, today, um, parents want their kids involved in sports and sometimes that is a huge expense because yeah. if you have a child that's very talented there could be some great opportunities ahead and even possibly scholarships for college so early on when there's not a sponsor when there's not a an agent yep that's the cost to you and the parent um so You have to figure out, okay, if this is a value, if this is something that we want our child to get into and to grow into and potentially have a career path for Mm -hmm. them in this, because it happens, then you have to realize that this is an expense that you have to find from somewhere else, and it's going to be significant at times. So it's just something to consider. It's not just daycare expenses. It's not just lessons for Johnny to play ball, sometimes it could be way, way more in our society today. So just consider that and consider the value versus the expense. And if you can fit in the budget and it's something you and your family want to put money into, then go for it.
1: And I would just say track it so that you do know how much you're spending in those areas. Um, because you want to make sure that you truly are investing in things that matter to you and your child. You want to make sure this is something they're passionate about. They want to do long-term sports, academics, all of these unique extra programs. They add leadership skills to your kids. They add discipline. There's some huge benefits, but make sure that you're tracking the investment.
0: Yeah, and there's another aspect to this, and to consider that this is extracurricular activity. So it's going to happen on the weekends, in the evenings, it's going to happen outside of the normal 9 to 5 school schedule. And that's a burden on the family, it can be. I've seen some families that that just love that part of their life because the whole family's into it. They go to the ball games and all of that, and that's great. I think it's a wonderful time to spend quality family time. However, I've also seen families that fell under the pressure of my kid has to be in everything. My kid has to be a star. And they got over loaded with their schedule, with their commitment, with their finances, because someone, some good intended coach, said your child has gifting and possibilities. And you know, we all want to believe that our kids are going to be stars. Right? Well, they're them- stars in our eyes. Yes, they are. <laughs> <laughs> but let's be reasonable. Look at the situation, count the cost, consider what it's not just doing to the potential of what your what your son or your daughter may be able to accomplish, but what is it doing to your family today? You know, I look at Olympian athletes mm. and what their family have to sacrifice for them to get there, and how many of them actually have that opportunity? Very few, very few. So not every child is going to be a superstar, but some will. And as a parent, I, my wife and I had to consider that, had to think about that, had to look at the gifting and the potential and the talent that our kids had, and we had to make a decision. To what degree are we going to invest in this? Because, again, if we're putting money into this, we're taking it from somewhere else, if it's a value, if it's something that we wanted to do, then we would do it. And we just found the balance in that. And the reason I mention it is because I want parents and I want families to look at this and say, am I doing this because it's part of our family life and it's enjoyable and it's just great, or is it a chore? Has it become just this ongoing crazy schedule that's not only making our family completely nuts, but also at the same time costing us money we don't really have to spend. So don't fall into that pressure of having to keep up. You know, just like keeping up with the Joneses with materialism, this is a little bit like that. And we just have to be careful. Again, this is not a judgment call on anyone. You have to make that decision, but just be aware of it and kind of think it through, talk it through with your spouse and decide, is this a cost that we need to continue to have? Or is this one that we need to rein in a little bit? You know, just find some wisdom in.
1: Yeah, there are some sports that when I have kids, they will not be involved in because I find no joy in them. And the family will not <laughs> enjoy going to spend 12 hours on a Saturday at tournaments in that sport. I will not name names because I want to offend anybody. But there are sports that just have no interest in me. Yep. So sorry, kids, I love you, but we're going to find another sport or program for you. <laughs> it's okay <laughs> to, to put the family first.
0: <laughs> yeah. And also realize that if you have other children and they're into a different type of sports, now you're running in two different directions Ooh. or multiple directions. And what if your kids have to do homework, but you have to go watch your football game or baseball game. So what's it doing to the whole family? Just involve the whole family in this discussion and find that balance. And I think
1: you'll be happier for it. Yep. And be in unity with your spouse. All right, well, let's look at the next main category, which is savings. And savings, uh, as a percentage of your net income, you'll see on the spending guideline that it ranges anywhere from 5% to 15% based on your income and your family circumstance. Now, in a future episode, Leo and I will break down an overall financial plan for your life and we'll walk through what you need to do today and then what step number two is and what step number three is and where retirement savings comes in and creating your own investment philosophy and understanding long term savings and short term savings we're not going to do all that here. We're just going to talk about how this fits into your basic budget. So we'll just use some brief examples. It is so important that you would have an emergency fund and that that would be in place. And so we're kind of assuming that the emergency fund is built as we talk about this percentage here. The IRA, the 401k, these long-term retirement investment assets and vehicles, what we would like to see happen is we would like to see you have depending on the guideline, whatever your percentage is, let's say it's 10%. We'd like to see that 10% going into various forms of savings. But one of those that's extremely important is long-term retirement income replacement savings. When we look at that, you're going to look first and foremost, probably if you're employed and your employer has a 401k, you're probably going to start there. And you're going to look at the simplest, easiest route to plan for the long term. And a lot of employers will offer matching benefits and we highly suggest you take advantage of that. Assuming you have your emergency fund in place, we will go through the order at a future episode, but we wanna see you in that 401k. At some point, it might make sense to begin to max out or stop the amount you're putting into your 401k or 403b or 457, depending on what kind of employer you have and say, okay, I'm gonna limit it to this. The first 5% goes to my employer to get the match of 5%, but then you may open up an individual retirement arrangement. And you might use a different brokerage because they have lower fees and more options. And so we're going to walk you through that in future episodes. But the important thing here is that savings is fundamental. No budget will exist and thrive over time without savings. And what I would just say, margin. Margin is key. You have to have something between you and the bumps of life. Right, Leo?
0: Absolutely. And when we look at the saving category, there are several types of saving. One of them is emergency fund. And the emergency fund, even if you fully fund your emergency fund, there will be times when you have to pull from it. That's what it's for. An emergency will come up. You'll have to pull 1000 thousand, two thousand 2000 to get through something that, even though you are already putting money aside for it, It was more than what you anticipated. Maybe it's a car repair. Maybe it's a medical procedure. So you have to replenish that. And this is where you would have a subcategory for emergency fund, and you'd put in $100, $150 until that would be replenished. At the same time, there are replacement costs that you need to save for Yes. right? Uh, If you own a home, there are appliances and all kinds of things around the house that will break from time to time. So you have to consider that if you move into the house and you have an air conditioning and heating unit that's 25 years old, it's just a matter of time before you're going to have to replace that thing. So you should be saving for that and don't drain your savings, your emergency savings to get through something like that. Put money aside, knowing that, okay, a year, two, three years from now, we're going to have to replace the dishwasher or the fridge or whatever. So those two types of savings should always be in your saving category emergency fund and replacement. Replacement savings for anything that you know you're going to replace within two to five years should be going there. Yep,
1: yeah, that's good. And and I will say that in our, in our budget for savings, we have it broken down into several subcategories, those short-term, medium, and long-term savings. Uh, we actually have savings for giving, which is going to be our next category, but we have saved every month something to give to others. So let's talk about giving a little bit and what that looks like.
0: I was gonna say, that is another category that my wife and I have, which is to save toward the purpose of giving. Now we have some giving that we give on a monthly basis. Mm-hmm. Uh, we believe in tithing, we're, we're Christians, and we believe that that's something the Lord asked us to do, and for us has been a real blessing. Um, we have come to that conclusion because we've studied it, we understand it, it's not a, um, it's not a commandment necessarily, it's something that the Lord instructed us to do. But I believe it's something that has given us so much joy in life. And I believe that generosity somehow always comes back. When you give, you always get back. And I don't give to get, but I've seen the result of giving. Not only does it make me joyous in the giving itself, but my life is better as a result of it. So I'm not trying to convince someone uh, that's something you need to come to a realization on your own. Um, but I, I do think it's very important that we don't become uh, so self-focused or so self-absorbed that we forget the fact that there are other people out there that are in worse situations than we are that we need to lend a hand to. And it's not always money. Sometimes the savings that my wife and I save for in order to give is so that we can go on a mission trip and bless somebody and be yeah. there and, and provide leadership and things that, that we can do. So it's not always giving money, but money does help. For us to be able to do those kind of things.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Everybody loves being around a generous person. Mm -hmm. And so we'll tell you that your life will not be completely fulfilled unless you have generosity in your heart, unless you are looking for ways to serve others. I would say to bless others, and the root for the word bless is to make someone happy. It just means happy. Uh, You know, if somebody's like, oh, I I live a blessed life, it's like, okay, you have a happy life. Uh, That's good. That's cool. Let's take the things that have been put inside of us and in our lives, and let's share that with other people, and let's serve others. If you're about to hire somebody for your company, and you say you own a company, and And you're walking up the door to get in and somebody goes out of their way to open the door for you, to hold the elevator for you, you're going to favor that person. You're going to look at that person and say, hey, this person was generous. They went out of their way to open the door for me. And if they end up being the candidate that you're interviewing, you're going to look at that person more favorably. Mm -hmm. So we're, we're just saying... Generosity is something you cannot get around in your life, and financial generosity is a part of that equation, and it's going to add blessing to your life. So for Leo and I, uh, you know, I'm I'm a Christian as well, and I'm a pastor, and so you know, for me, my heart is that I have been blessed, and so I'm going to reflect that generosity back to other people, and hopefully reflect God's heart to love people, and so that's my heart, and so we're Ashley and I give. 10% of our income just up front. And then on top of that, we sponsor some kids in other countries to help them get education and health coverage and clothing. And then we go above and beyond and do other things as well. My my point here is that you have the opportunity, especially if you live in the United States, mm. you have the opportunity at any income to create a little bit of margin and give. If you are a Christian and would follow biblical principles, then I would say that you need to be looking at ten percent of your income off the bat. Uh, but if you're not a Christian, just realize this is a principle all throughout life. Serving others, the more people you serve, the more, honestly, the more your income will increase over your lifetime, the more happy you'll be over your lifetime. Serving others is a fundamental principle of success in life. And, and you read that in, in every uh, great leader's uh, Biography—you read that in every great leader and investor and company. You read it across the board. Bill Clinton wrote on this. Barack Obama wrote on this. George Bush wrote on. I mean, I, I've seen it mm-hmm. from all great leaders uh, across party lines. No matter where you're looking, and Bill Gates giving away billions and billions, and he did that because he was able to serve people with his products, and now he serves people with the income that he has. And, and it's just amazing. So just be thinking along the lines of giving. Uh, for us, 10% is a baseline. And I think I think any family can afford 10% because it's a great way to start pouring into other people. But start wherever you are. Yeah, if, if, you, if this has not absolutely. been part
0: of your normal routine, and it's not something you've really considered, or you've maybe even looked at your situation and say, I, there's no way I can give. I mean, I could barely survive right now. And we understand that there's been seasons in in I know in my life where giving was almost impossible. Um, so, but it takes it takes a step of trust and faith and saying, okay, I'm just going to carve out a one percent, and or find somebody that I can give yeah. my time to. Um, so, what we're asking you is to, to do is just to consider mm-hmm. generosity as mm-hmm. part of your journey as a good financial manager, because generosity will beget generosity, and you will reap what you sow. And Again as we said it's it it's not a burden that you carry it's it's something you desire to do yeah. and whatever you're passionate about many there that's what's beautiful about the hum- humanity is that we all have different interests yes. different things that we're interested about or care about so you you may be a, an animal lover and mm-hmm. you want to help yeah. animals that are that are being abused whatever your passion is find a way to give to that passion. Find a way to add value to that passion, whether it's your time, whether it's your resources. And I think you'll experience the joy that we've experienced and and we want that for you. We want you to be happy managing your money and having a good life, but also realize that part of that is that it's not just about us, that there are people out there that when we invest in them, our life gets richer as a result. Well, thank you so much for joining us for this episode. Uh, if you enjoyed this episode, please rate and review our podcast on iTunes so more people can find us. You can also subscribe to our podcast, and you can also share this podcast on your favorite social media platform. And uh, we're just thankful that you're listening. Let us know how we can serve you better. But in the meantime, we're just excited that you came. So join us next time so that together we, we can, can keep, keep getting, getting money, money right. right. So long as you
1: I love how simple it is with yours to have all of the money in the bank account, but then it's on an Excel sheet or in YNAB in your case, and you no longer spend according to what's in your bank account, you spend according to what's in the budget.